0: Okay, so this is part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for October 14th, 2007. Uh, just to let you know, I will be doing a dedicated study on Halloween, Halloween uh, either next week or definitely before the 31st. So I think it's something I, I looked up on my um, teachings and I didn't see anything dedicated to that. So uh, I want to make sure I have a... I know there's one up there on... Uh, Easter, slash, Ishtar, and Xmas. Uh, So I really think we need to put one up there on Halloween as well. But this particular one, which kind of relates to that, is entitled, Witchcraft Practices Biblically Defined. What are witchcraft practices, and let's biblically define them. So, I'm actually going to uh, have a PDF file attachment with this particular sermon, or teaching, and what you can do is print this PDF out prior to listening, so you can actually follow along if you want to. And all the scriptures are pretty much laid out here. Um, whereas the last one I just did on false prophets, that was a lot would have been a lot harder to do that on because there were so many scriptures we, we got into. So whenever you see a PDF attached to a particular teaching, it's good if you can print the PDF out prior to hearing the teaching, if possible, because then you can follow along better. And then you'll also have the documentation that you can refer to later. So unless otherwise indicated, the definitions that are cited in this teaching are from the Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which defines the words more accurately for the dispensation of time that the King James Bible was written. See, vocabulary has changed, definitions many times have changed, and... um, that's why I, I tend to use that Webster's 18.28. Deuteronomy 18.9. Deuteronomy 18.9. The Lord speaking to the Jews. But again, this is these are things that um, are moral issues that would apply to us as much today as they would ever. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Okay, now, our nation right now is just... (laughs) We're just one big abomination. Okay? There's probably no other nation on the face of the planet that if a Christian was moving into the United States, this verse would apply more. That's an indictment against all of America. And, um... I think I remember what in in the previous teaching I had made reference to this thing that David Jeremiah was saying about how the churches um, have been put into this time that we're living in and it's a very challenging time. And And I thought to myself, no, the churches are the reason that it's gotten this bad because the churches and the people in them are called to be salt and light. Salt, he made a good point. One grain of salt you can taste in your mouth. It doesn't take a lot of salt to make a difference, in other words. Only a pinch of salt in a recipe can make all the difference, right? Well, if you're salt and light, one little, tiny little cube of uh, salt grain, you can actually taste that on your mouth. That, that means that a little bit of it can make a really, really big difference. Okay? In light, if you think about it, what is darkness? If you really think about the definition, all darkness is is, a, is an absence of light. Because whenever light comes into a room, darkness flees. It has to. Darkness can't overtake light, but light can easily overtake darkness. It's just the nature of, I don't know, physics or whatever. We're called to be salt and light. But see, the churches dropped that ball. They have totally left the battlefield, essentially. They're part of the problem. They're yoked up with the state in so many ways, up with the government. And this government is going to eventually turn into the one world government. Okay, which the Bible clearly predicted would happen. There's going to be a one-world religion. And it's no wonder that all these things are happening. Because the Bible clearly predicted it was going to happen. It's going to be a one-world religion. And um, it's no wonder. But see, because the church has left the battlefield, is the reason that the abominations that are taking place in this country are happening to the extent they're happening. Because the church should have been that salt and light, but it left the battlefield. It chose to be a hireling. It chose to go after filthy lucre and mammon. It chose to forsake the old paths. You could go on and on and on. Deuteronomy 18.10 then, the next verse says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Now, passing through the fire... This particular section contains some stern admonitions against any indulgence in sorcery, okay? Particularly, that's what we're talking about here today, witchcraft, biblically defined. The context indicates that the authoring of a child is for the particular purpose of determining or discerning the course of events. This probably was the motivation behind the Moabite king's sacrifice of his sons in 2 Kings three twenty-six and 27, and we can actually go there. But when you, you talk about your son or daughter passing through the fire, essentially what that was, particularly, is when they took their sons and daughters and they sacrificed them to Moloch. Now there were other deities that you could sacrifice your child to: Chemosh, Moloch. These types of deities, Baal, Moloch, in particular. Um, they, and I, I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again: was a particular deity where the, where the statue, because they always had to have kind of some kind of statue to represent their god. They had eyes, the Bible says they have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. They have mouths, but they speak not. And those that worship them are like them. That's what the Bible says. They have eyes, but they don't see. See, if you think about it, if you worship some kind of stone statue, and he, that statue has eyes, but he sees not, he ears, but he hears not, and mouth, but he speaks. You're, the Bible says they that worship them are like them. The very statues they're worshiping. They have eyes, but they don't see. Ears, but they don't hear. Okay? So... When they when they took their child as a sacrifice, and I think a lot of times it was the firstborn, um, they would heat the, the statue up. Uh, actually, they, there were hands that came out um, from before them. They would heat the, the hands up to white hot. A uh, fire stoked under, them, and they were, and the, and the hands were, I believe, angled up slightly so that when you put your baby on these white hot hands, and I can't even conceive of this, but you know, obviously it would it would it would it would kill the baby and and the baby would roll in the the Moloch had, a, had an opening in his stomach and the baby would roll into his stomach. I, I, I can't I don't even like thinking about it. it it's such it's 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 it's, it's incomprehensible. Um it, it, it just doesn't it doesn't compute to me. I don't understand how somebody could do that to their child. And usually it was for monetary gain. I I don't know. You, I, All I can say is that you've got to be really, really demon-possessed to the toenails to, to, to do something like that. If we go to Second Kings 3.26, and I, I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I just, I truly, I, it doesn't compute to me. And I don't think it would compute to really any parent. Uh, I can't even imagine what the price in hell these people are going to have to pay because Jesus said it were better that a millstone were hung about your neck and you be cast in the midst of the sea, then you offend one of these little ones that believeth in me. Um you know, you don't you don't mess with, with you don't you don't do this stuff to little children, little babies. Your your punishment's more severe. They can't defend themselves. And we're going to talk a lot about this particular subject. So Second Kings 326 <clears throat> says, and the king of Moab saw that the battle was sore for him. He took with him 700 men that drew swords to break through even unto the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead, and he offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. He took his own son, who was going to be his successor, but he was so stinking self centered that he said, Well, maybe if I sacrifice the best thing I've got, I'll win. How self centered is that? And how demon-possessed would you have to be to do something like that? And there was a great indignation against Israel, and they departed from him and returned to their own land. Wow. That's pretty bad. So that was... um, when it says here, this context indicates the offering of a child is for a particular purpose of determining or discerning the course of events or having a favorable outcome in this case. He did it so he'd win. Okay? But most of the time this was done for financial gain. Uh, sacrificing your children to Moloch. Now, Solomon erected things because these these uh, women that he was with, 700 concubines, 300 wives, took his heart away from the Lord and he built altars and things like this to um, Moloch and Chemosh. I, I pray to God he didn't get into sacrificing his own sons. The Bible really really doesn't indicate it. But, you know, he was into some bad stuff, uh, unfortunately, near the end of his life. <clears throat> Passing a son or a daughter through the fire, uh, this phrase refers to the practice of child sacrifice. <clears> 2 <throat> Kings 16, 3 records that King Ahaz sacrificed his son in this way. Indeed he made his son pass through the fire. Now if we go there, we're, we're right near there anyway. 2 Kings 16.3 2 Kings 16.3 Well let's just start in verse 2. 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and did, and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God. like like David his father, but he walked in the ways of kings of Israel, yea, and he made his son to pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. That's why the Bible says, learn not the way of the heathen. This is a heathen thing. It's a heathen practice. You don't do it. No doubt he thought that such a sacrifice would appease his pagan gods. Or pagan God. His grandson, King Manasseh, sacrificed his two sons two generations later. Well, remember, the sins of the forefather are carried to the third and fourth generation. Um, if we go to 2 Kings 21.6 2 Kings twenty one six, And he made his sons pass through the fire. Well, oh, this is Manasseh. And he made his sons to pass through the fire and observe times and used enchantments. He observed times. We're going to talk about observing times today. What that means. Basically like astrology. Observing times. And enchantments, which is another form of witchcraft, and dealt with familiar spirits. Familiar spirits, which are these basically demons that emanate and operate through people like psychics and fortune tellers and things like this. And wizards, which is basically the equivalent of a male witch. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. 2 Kings 23.10 reveals that it was mainly the pagan god Moloch which required this awful sacrifice. So, 2 Kings 23.10, which is just a page over here. 2 Kings 23.10, and he... uh, Let's see here. And he defied Topith, defiled Topith, which is in the valley of the children of Hemam, that no man might make... His son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Moloch. Okay, so again, this is this is a, an indictment against Moloch because this is the particular deity that required this sacrifice. I'm just highlighting this in my own Bible. I want to make sure I have that. So. <clears throat> But other false gods apparently also demanded this type of thing. Let's go to 2 Kings 1731. Man, 2 Kings is just if you want to know about this or want to see examples of this, they're all over 2 Kings. 2 Kings 1731. Hmm. Hearken <clears throat> not to Hezekiah. Oh, hold on. I'm on the wrong verse here. Second Kings 1731. Havites made Nibhaz and Tartak and the Separvites burned their children in fire to Adramelech and Adramelech the gods of the Sepharim So that's another instance of a of a false god that required child sacrifice. Jeremiah nineteen five Jeremiah 19.5 Jeremiah 19.5 says, And they have burnt, built also high places to, of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal. Remember I mentioned Baal earlier was another one that you could sacrifice uh, your children to. Which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came into my mind. See, God doesn't motivate these people to do this. Unbelievable. <clears throat> Having your son or daughter pass through the fire is another way of saying child sacrifice, in a particularly brutal form. Then it was typically done openly to the false god Mola to secure a financial blessing. The Phoenicians and the Carthaginians sacrificed their children to the false god of Kronos in times of grave national danger, or calamity. Now, chronos was one of the gods that had to do with time. That's why we have chronographs, which are watches. That's where we get the root word for chronograph, or chronology, comes from the word chronos. A lot of things that we do, unfortunately, or that words that we use have their, have their original meaning in paganism. Um, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it is. So if you're wearing a watch, you need to repent. No, just kidding. Just teasing. Sorry. Um, Whereas now... Whereas now... Okay, so we're talking about the way they did it back then. They did it out in the open. Whereas now, it is done in secret while the baby is still in the womb. If you think about it... Yes, I think what they were doing was pretty brutal. And pretty sick and disgusting. But now, they do the same thing, same same ultimate effect, killing a baby... In this case, an unborn baby. But now, it's okay, because it's done while the baby's still in the womb. And I mean that tongue-in-cheek. I don't mean it literally. It's not okay. 4,000 abortions per day in America. That's the average. 4,000. But see, now, it's done... Not to Kronos, not to Baal, not to Moloch, not to Tophet, not to Chemosh. No. Now it's gone done to the equally false god of self. That's why we sacrifice babies now, most of the time. Do you also realize that it's a proven fact that many times people that own abortion clinics are deeply involved in witchcraft? In fact, witches seek to own abortion clinics because high-level witches view the abortions that are happening in their abortion clinics as human sacrifices to their gods. Oh, now he's really gone off the deep end. Well, I'm telling you the truth. That is the case. Do you understand that people that are heavily involved in the cult will seek out professions where they can defile humanity the most? It's also a proven fact that, that, that um, people that own these tattoo parlors that you go into and you get the tattoos, they bless their needles to Satan before they actually put the tattoo on. They're Satanists. They know that when they put this tattoo on them, it's basically like adopt a demon. Okay? The Bible says not to mark your body like this. And it, and it also makes reference to not piercing your body. And you got all these people now. I got this email the other day where they just get more and more and more with these piercings. And they've got these things called implants. Now they're putting under the skin to make, to make like, they're under the skin and they make you look like you're, you're not even human. They've got metal spikes coming out of the skin. Did I send you that thing? Oh, it, it, is, it is unbelievable what these people are doing. And you t- All I can think of is demon possessed paganism. When you look at it, and this is the way. Th- so they've got these guys with all these piercings, all these tattoos. You know, you can't even imagine how much money it would cost to get all this done. They must just be spending either that, or they, or they, or they do it themselves. I don't know. A lot of these are surgical procedures, though. And as de- as humanity becomes more and more defiled, and it is evil men evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, according to 2 Timothy 3.13, you're going to see more and more and more of this. Okay? Um, So, now what we call this is not, you know, we call it abortion. Now, if anyone has ever had an abortion, this is also many times also done to secure a perceived financial blessing of not having another mouth to feed or take care of. Okay? Um, Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, in a way, the, the, the abortions that are performed now are really to the God of self more than anything else. If you think about it, practically every sin that any of us ever commits is rooted in self-centeredness. It really is the case. I mean, myself included. Any sin that any of us commit, if you boil it and boil it and boil it and distill it back, it's really self-centeredness, you think about it. It's the root of all sin. I know the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But what's the love of money rooted in? Self-centeredness. What was the first sin ever recorded in the Bible? When Satan fell? He was the one that kicked the whole thing off with the sin party. Okay? He's the guy that did it. He said, I will ascend under the size of the Lord. I will be like the most high. Start talking about I. I. What is that? Self-centeredness. And then it says, because of his beauty, he was lifted up. And also, it ha- makes mention to his merchandise. Every bit of that can be, still di- be distilled back to self-centeredness. The God of self is ultimately what always gets us in trouble. Now, in the Bible, it is apparent, by examining scriptures, that child sacrifice is one, if not the most grievous sins in God's eyes. What more, what worse could you do? I mean, even a homosexual having whatever they do, relations with another homosexual. At least, in that regard, it's consensual. When you kill and slaughter an innocent baby or a child, they're incapable of defending themselves. And you're imposing your will upon them because of your self-centeredness. I don't know, I, I can't imagine a much more grievous thing in God's eyes. And, and not only that, but when you see child sacrifice abounding, this almost always precedes, precedes God's judgment. It's the last straw that broke the camel's back that will bring judgment on it. What are the two things? Well, homosexuality, Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? Guarantee you they were they were doing some human sacrifice to Sodom and Gomorrah as well as having, you know, gay relations. That was part of the package. So those are the two things. That when a society gets to those points, judgment is imminent and it's nigh. The Bible makes reference to sin that starts to reach up to the throne room of God, and and, and, and God's mercy will eventually. He, he can't he can't show them any mercy. It's not going to do them any more good. They need to be judged. Really, that's what we need. We need to be judged in this nation, and I mean that in the in the sense that. Judgment will bring about repentance to a certain amount of people that would have not repented had they not been judged. Had had sin not been judged. It is not my opinion as the word of God is full of stories relating to God's severe wrath being brought on by this sin. In a world where this sin abounds, it is only a matter of time before God's judgment will fall. This is not even taken into account the many other sins... That time restrains me from mentioning. Now, there's a good tie into this in the Bible if we go to Jeremiah 7, and I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but this is in regard to an indictment against a backslidden Israel. And like in verse 8, it says, Behold, and this is Jeremiah 7, verse 8, Behold, ye trust and lie in lying words that cannot profit. Again, this relates to the false prophets that we were just talking about in the last teaching. Um... And then it says in verse 9, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense unto Baal, which is also made reference to this witchcraft, and walk after other gods whom you know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. See, people get so delusional. See, these people were very religious. So a lot so are a lot of people today. But they get so delusional and so demon possessed that they that they start to think that they're being delivered by God to do these abominations. We're we're above this. We're okay with this. I mean I know it's it's sin, or they don't even acknowledge it as sin anymore. They get so deluded and then if we go further, it says in verse sixteen Pray therefore pray not thou for this people. There's only a few times in Scripture it will say this, to pray not thou for this people. Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, Jeremiah 14 makes reference to that in 1 John chapter 5. It says, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up their cry for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear them. In other words, they had crossed the line in God's eyes, and there was no going back. There was no going back. God was not going to hear their prayer anymore. It was over. And then it says in verse 18, okay, so what are some of the things that can cause this? Where God gets to a point where he says, don't even pray for them. He says, the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women knead their dough to make the cakes to the Queen of Heaven. Well, guess what? The Queen of Heaven is the same Mary that the Catholics worship. Same one! Basically like Diana the Ephesians and these types of things. Columbia is another, you know, um, Athena the spear shaker. These types of things. And then it says to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. So see, they were saying, on one hand, they were going into the temple basically trying to offer worship to the Most High God, but at the same time they were doing all this other stuff. They were doing intermingling all this paganism. And immorality. And then it says, did they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Did they not provoke themselves to confusion in their own faces? See, God's not the author of confusion. And then it goes further. It says in verse 24, But they hearken not, nor incline their ear, but walk in the counsels and the imagination of their evil heart. Remember, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, Jeremiah 17:9. The Bible says that, that a fool trusteth in his own heart. Only a fool. Okay? So we've got to be real careful about trusting our heart. And then it said, and, and in their imagination their evil heart, and then went backwards and not forward. Verse 26, yet they hearken not unto me, this is the Lord talking, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. <clears throat> Therefore shalt thou speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But see, in other words, they're just ignoring the prophets at that point. They're ignoring truth, which is exactly what happens in this type of environment. Then it says, verse 28, But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Well, you could just insert America in there. But thou shalt say unto America, A nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. They don't receive correction. You can't tell them a thing. Well, Smiley Joe would tell me if it was the truth, wouldn't he? TBN, Paul Crouch, he's a good guy. He had a gay lover too. Lonnie Ford hired him. There was, there was a big. I mean, it was, it was on the newspapers, but it just didn't make the TBN. I wonder why. Drug addict, gay black lover. I got. All, I mean, I'll send you the story. I'll send you the documentation, essentially, where, it, where it came out with this. TBN never refuted it. They hired the guy. Why, why should that even surprise us? Look at Ted Haggard. Same deal. Swaggered, Jim Baker. They all. It's all by design. So if we go to verse 30. And I said all that to say this. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name to pollute it. Do you think when they play their Christian rock shows and they have their false Bibles, which are an abomination to God, in their 501c3 churches out there to make as much money as they possibly can, and they have all their little programs, and they preach this lukewarm, watered-down gospel, do you think that's not the same thing as setting an abomination in the house of God, which is called by His name to pollute it? It's the same thing, essentially. Or very similar. Verse 31. And they have built... The high places of Tophet. Tophet means burning. That word means burning. Okay, which is the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire. It says it right here. Which I commanded them not. Neither came it. Neither came it into my heart. The Lord never commanded them to do these things. And this is what we're talking about today: child sacrifice. But notice that that. This is one of the few things, all the things that I just mentioned, God gets to a point where He says, don't even pray for them. I won't hear your prayer. Now, I'm not telling you not to pray for for this situation. I'm just saying there comes a point where God will, won't listen to prayer anymore. And what is it? Really, what does that boil down to? It boils down to repetitive, habitual sin that ultimately the person goes deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. Because it it says here in verse 24, it says, and they went backwards and not forward. They got worse and worse and worse and worse. God tried to send all these warnings, probably sent prophets and things of this nature, and they just did more and more abominations. To the point where they started sacrificing their children. But, you know, it says that these people said, we're delivered to do all these abominations. We're so spiritual. We're actually, we transcend God. We're delivered to do these abominations. No, you're not. So, if we go back to... Uh-oh. Hold on real quick. Taylor, can I have yours? Here, take me away. Thank you. Sorry, a little bait and switch there. Sorry, i got to have these statistics. Sorry about that. Anyway... Sorry about that. I, 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 I had printed one of these out that didn't have the full stats on. Let's just look at some abortion statistics now. Okay? Now, God was grieved with the blood of one person that cried out from the land. Cain and Abel, right? He went to Cain and he says, doesn't your brother's innocent blood cry out from the land? See, when you spill innocent blood on the land... It defiles the land. Okay? And now we're going to look at some abortion statistics. And really get a big perspective. Abortions worldwide. Number of abortions per year. Worldwide. 46 million. Now we talk a lot about Americas. But 46 million abortions worldwide. 46 million worldwide. All that innocent blood crying out from the land. That is defiling this earth like no other thing that we're doing. I don't care, you can talk about the, the I mean I would even put this beyond the gay sodomite issue. I would put it beyond the liquor industry or, or psychotropic drugs or whatever type of debauchery and sin you're into. I don't think there's anything on the planet that's affecting the planet more than 46 million innocent babies being aborted every year. I don't think there's anything more we can compare that to. What does that break down to? Number of abortions per day, 126,000 per day worldwide. We've only got, I mean, not only, because it's all an abomination, but 4,000 in the United States. But worldwide, there's 126,000 every day. Now, these statistics are from, I believe, the uh, Guttmeyer or whatever institute. These aren't biased. These are from the people doing them. They've got nothing to, you know... They're proud of this. So the overwhelming majority of all abortions, ninety-five percent, are done as a mean are done as a means of birth control. That's the main reason. Just purely birth control, inconvenience, these types of things. Abortion averages worldwide is about a one abortion per woman. Now I give you a link here. You can go up and check this out a lot further. It's called abortiontv.com. Abortiontv one word.com. If you want to go get your boat loaded. Uh, personally, I can't even hardly go up there. I get I get messed up. I mean, I, when I when I look at that stuff, and I'm not saying that because I think I'm better. I just it really messes me up when I when I start dwelling on abortion stuff because it's just so grievous. Yeah. Well, Doug asked me about the uh, latest abortion techniques and um, the partial birth abortion. I believed was banned. I think it was where they actually would take scissors, put them into the back of the child's head, and then use a suction device to suction out the brains. That's a late-term abortion, meaning I think it's past six months. You could do it almost all the way up to the time of birth. It was so unbelievably insane when you think about it, because you could actually deliver the baby, and if you did that to the baby once you delivered them, that's murder. But as long as it's done in the privacy of the womb, that's okay. That is wit wicked and twisted and perverted and warped. I mean, if we don't deserve judgment, I don't know who does. I, I just, you know, all I can say is God is unbelievably merciful. Um Jeremiah, now let's see what, what is the God what is the Lord? Because a lot of people say, Oh, it's just a fetus. I can't stand that when I hear that. Because it's totally unbiblical and we're gonna prove it's unbiblical. Jeremiah 1 4 Jeremiah 1.4. Let's just go there. I really get fired up over this subject. Jeremiah 1.4. Now this this is... The Lord speaking to Jeremiah. Prophet. Okay. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Oh, well if it's just a fetus that has no soul and no spirit, how does God know you before He forms you in the belly then? How does that happen? Before I formed thee, this notice. God said, "Before I formed thee in the belly, God does it." Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. That word means sanctify means mean to be made holy and set apart. I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. (laughs) I'd say that you know that pretty much would would. fizzle any abortion. I used to get into it with my mom about this, because, you know, she gives money to Planned Parenthood and the whole nine yards. We don't get in arguments anymore. Because, you know what I say to her? And I know I've said this before, but the last time we got in an argument about this, I said, you know, Mom, I'm really glad I didn't take your abortion stance before my little girl Taylor was born, who's her granddaughter, who she loves. Oh, that shut her right up. Oh, she just, that was it. We're not going to argue anymore, are we, Mom? Yeah, you can still give money to Planned Parenthood thinking you're doing some kind of good deed. Sick. But, you know, that really hit home to her. I said, you know, Mom, I'm glad you didn't take that stance and abort me. No, let's make it even more personal. I'm glad my grandma didn't take that stance and abort you. Well, let's make, hey, that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Oh, it's just a fetus. Oh, well. There's the byproduct of... Here's the byproduct of a fetus. We're all. They're babies. They're not fetuses. They're babies. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God does it. He knows the beginning from the end. Psalm 22.9 But thou art He that took me out of the womb... The psalmist speaking to God. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst, didst make, it, make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. Psalm 22.10. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Thou art my God from my mother's belly? Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm thirty one thirty nine verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in thy mother's womb. Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Who makes you? God. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Okay, so along these lines, Psalm 139, verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee, now, remember, the, the the verse before that, Psalm 139, 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. My substance, this is verse 15, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. What does that mean? I don't really know. I don't really know. But you know what? It says it in the Bible, it's the only place I think it says it, my substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret, this implies God making our soul and spirit. Because it wasn't a physical body at that point. I was made in secret. And curiously wrought, wrought means to make, in the lowest parts of the earth. I don't know. It's where Abraham's bosom was originally. It's where paradise was considered before Jesus came and took captivity captive. I don't know. But isn't that kind of cool? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. I never heard anybody do a, preach, a teaching on that, but I don't know. I, I think it's, it's just, it's pretty mind-blowing. Listen to this. The next verse, Psalm one thirty nine sixteen. 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written Woo. <laughs> I don't know. There's a book and all our members are written in it. <laughs> That's awesome. Which in continuance were fashioned. They talk a lot about how we were made. As when yet there was none of them. Huh. Which in continuance were fashioned when is it? yet there were none of them. It's almost like we were created out of nothing. But you know what? God's the creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. We're only going to know a lot of answers to all these questions when we're, when we're in heaven. You know, as a saved individual. Um, so, this last verse also implies, as does Jeremiah 1, five, that God knows us before we were ever born. Okay, now let's go to some other verses. Isaiah 44, verse 2. Isaiah 44, verse 2. I like to look at all these verses so there's no doubt in anyone's mind what we're dealing with here. Because all you got to do is go to the Word of God. It's there. Isaiah 44, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb. Now this says, O hear ye now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which... Will help thee? Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jezron, whom I have chosen. And then let's go to Isaiah 49, verse 1. Isaiah 49, verse 1. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye, my, ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. And from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Now, when it says bowels in the Old Testament, that's like the inward parts. It doesn't mean your bowel. This is why it's important to get a get a uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary to define these words. Okay? It's not like the descending colon. Okay? It's the innermost parts. It's like in the belly. Again, the word meanings have changed a little bit. Um... The Lord hath called me from my womb, from the bowels of my mother. He hath made mention of my name. He knows your name before you're born. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not sure exactly how all that works, because I know we're going to get a white stone, and there's going to be a name, it's going to be a new name, and these things, I I don't know exactly what He calls you before you're born. But, again, we see through a glass darkly. Then verse 2, And He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of His hand hath He hid me, and made me a polished shaft. And in his quiver hath he hid me. See, God can use you like a weapon if you will yield to him. Well, how would he use you like a sharp sword? Well, the Bible says the word of the Lord is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide in of son of soul, and spirit, and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible also says, "...is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces." when it says he's made my mouth like a sharp sword, guaranteed, that's because he's going to be putting out the word of the Lord. How did Jesus deal with the devil in the wilderness? He quoted scripture to him. That's what you do. You quote scripture to the devil. And then, if we go further, verse 5, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him through Israel, though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. and he said it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel i will also give thee for the light to the gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth so there's some pretty cool cool verses here now